You can hear us okay? Yeah, I got you loud and clear. Cool. cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Of course. Of course. Thanks for your interest. I know uh, you guys are passionate about Twin Peaks, so that's great. We have a beautiful, beautiful book. Twin Peaks Unwrapped the Book. You can get it at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, get this bad boy while it's hot. Want to say we're under the 300 mark for these books. Yes. And then yes. once they're gone, they are gone. Our thinking would be that the book would be gone by the end of the year. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to last that long. But the idea was that, hey, this is the 30th anniversary. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a book that could be available to really diehard Twin Peaks fans? Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska. I'm Ben Durant. And I'm Joel Baco, the guest host for this episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I mean, like, All right. yeah, for this show, we're going to do a special. Where we're kind of just talking about uh, the killer and kind of looking back on the killer. And yeah. I thought it'd be so cool to have Joel in on the show. And I didn't think we needed to have him as an interview. I think it would be great to have Joel for this show to be a third host. So yes. thank you, Joel, for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and I wanted to give you some background, Joel, in case you haven't seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> Brian, you should share. Um, who did you think the killer was? And and then when you were wrong, <laughs> talk about were you surprised to find out who the killer was? Okay, so I thought, and probably like most people, they really played up Ben Horn, and I really thought it was Ben Horn. Uh, just because the way they played him up and the way they were really focusing on him and the different things he was up to, I was like, it's Ben Horn. It's Ben Horn. And then when come to find out it was Leland slash Bob being in Leland or whatever, I was no, I was like, no way. But yeah. but then the mystery unravels the, the following two episodes with um, about the incest and the abusive relationship and all this other stuff that you it know, starts to make sense maybe it all makes sense and you really are left with almost a bigger mystery because the bigger mystery is well who is bob and why no why it, who is bob really was bob really part of leland was leland possessed or was that just a bad because he was weak he was able to do bad things and just blame it on an invisible person called Bob. And What do you yeah. think, Joel? What do you think about all this? I mean, I know we still have more information uh, than he well, does, but... Yeah, that's the tricky thing. I actually just coincidentally wrote a long email to the Sparkwood and 21 podcast. Yeah. yeah. Great show. Did Great podcast. Diary of Laura Palmer. I sent a big email to them about um, the, the Leland Bob, uh, mostly in response to some of their earlier podcasts. Now, the tricky thing is the mystery on the show is, you know, the, of who killed Laura Palmer is at this point over. Without spoiling too much, I wouldn't say there's necessarily more information. I guess there is more information to come. There's more perspective to come. Mm. And a yeah. lot of my views on Leland Bob uh, honestly changed when that came. So right. I will go back. I'll rewind a little bit in time. And this is hard to do because, unfortunately, 
unlike you guys, I didn't keep track of, or unlike uh, Brian, yeah, I didn't like take notes or keep track of my reflections. So I have to kind of go back and, what did I think when this happened? I kind of like remember through the haze of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I believe at the time, I, I, my take was, and I feel like the show, at least the episode where Leland is caught and dies, kind of pushes you in this direction. My take was Bob is definitely a demon from the woods who basically took over like exorcist style. <laughs> yeah. And was just kind of like a blank vessel at those times, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah. So that was that was kind of my take when I saw, when I was where you are. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to, um, to go with that, Joel, I, I just said that on our last episode. Um, we were talking about the duality, and if the, mm-hmm. sh- the show... It, uh, the incest and this horrible thing that happened, you know, to give it a spirit and give it a name and give it some yeah. a different body, it softens the blow. So it's not like you're thinking this father did a horrible right. thing. The evil that men do. Yeah, right. he was possessed by something. Exactly. And I think looking at it 2020 hindsight and with other stuff that comes down the line, I kind of feel similarly like a little bit like it's a cop out. Mm. Um, because I think at the time I was even a little. Well, let's. Uh, I'll rewind a little. I'll give you my sort of quick version of the the killer's reveal story. So basically, I got a little bit spoiled. I saw it in 2008, so uh, you know the internet was all along at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the episode where Bob climbs over the couch to scare Maddie. Right. Yeah. After I sent that disc back, I'm like to watch that scene again. Like that was one of the greatest scenes <laughs> in any movie or TV show. So I went on YouTube, and I Googled it, and somehow, you know, it came up, and I watched that scene, and at the end, you know how YouTube shows you other videos to watch? Oh, yeah. A video popped up, and it said, Bob kills Maddie. Ah! Like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You can edit that out if you need to make it, you know. That's right. It's a free podcast. But I was like, oh, you know, that, that." so it didn't say Leland, it just said Bob. So I knew Bob was going to kill Maddie, and that the fact that he would, and that implied to me, okay, Bob is somehow the killer then. Like, there might, there must, there's probably more to it to right. still hunting yeah. for someone, but clearly Bob's the guy who did it. And I think, like Brian said, it's like at the end of the premiere. Yeah. Kind of think that season anyway. Season two premiere, right. Bob, season two premiere, it ends with. There's more to it, that's not it. Yeah. And you kind of wonder what the rest yeah. is. So I never bought the Ben thing, I don't think, because. Um, they weren't talking about Bob. It was all about Ben, Ben Horn, Ben Horn, and Bob wasn't, like, a part of it. So I'm like, this can't be. Like, if Bob's going to kill Maddie, and if Bob killed Laura, there must be something more. And I couldn't quite, I, I think maybe in the back of my head, it was like maybe Leland, because Maddie lives with Leland, and that would be the logical person. But I don't think I really quite got the fact that Bob was, like, possessing someone. Yeah. Like, I, by that point, it's pretty clear he's some kind of spirit or malevolent force, but... I think I was half expecting it to be like a disembodied, like he would, like as if that scene happened in the living room. Yeah. But instead of it being Leo and Bob, it would just be like Bob would like materialize and kill her or something. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And then when that happened, when Leland like looks in the mirror, you get that kind of gut punch of like, oh, wow, they went there and it's like really dark. And then the next couple episodes, I think, pull it back a little bit. They make it like, well, yes, it was Leland, but... You know, there's more to it. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't in control of himself and all that. But when you watch the actual scene where he kills Maddie, I think the impression is more like 
kind of confusion and shock and horror and like une- like very uneasy feeling, you know. Um, and then I think the the next the couple episodes later when they catch Leland and he confesses as Bob, and then Bob leaves and he kind of confesses as Leland. At that point, it's almost like a little soothing. It's like okay, good. This you know we're back to the sort of the fun entertainment of you know Twin Peaks and we're right. not. We're not getting too much into the, like, really dark psychological stuff of, like, what happened to Laura and, you know, was her dad really this evil person and all this stuff. So I think from that perspective of, like, the shock of it and kind of going for that ride, I kind of accepted that at that time. Mm. That makes sense. And, yeah. for, and for you, Brian, I can see how you could see it being Ben. There were definitely clues. I mean, Audrey finding out information from One-Eyed Jacks, and then we, yeah. I don't know the episode where Cooper finds the diary and says, uh, "Friend of my father." And there's definitely they're definitely sending the breadcrumbs to basically say it, it's yeah. Ben and stuff. So I could see that. And you know, in the script, they're, they're putting Ben down as saying dialogue that really Leland is saying. And and you know, we know that the actor uh, who plays uh, Ben Horn actually did kill i mean he, he had to go through all the steps to kill uh, uh maddie as well so i definitely yep. can see how that that's possible i i wrote so i have all these all these notes just on kind of looking back from the beginning and seeing could, i'm interested in yeah, this could, yeah are there enough breadcrumbs to say it could be leland like so i mean it's just to start off in the pilot you know we have sarah palmer uh, she calls betty briggs and she's saying uh, she's trying to look for laura and, uh, you know, she's thinking, oh, maybe she's Loris with Bobby. And then she says, wonder if she went out with Leland. He had an early meeting. And so they're, they're wrong. We don't really have a strong alibi where Leland is. Interesting. And stuff. What, yeah. what do you think, Joel, about that? Like the fact that he has no alibi. And so right from the pilot, he could have, you know, he may not even came home the night the, that night for all we know. Because yeah. Sarah doesn't know about that. I mean, yeah, it's, this is going to be interesting because I'm going to talk about it without – saying too much of things that come sort of come down the pike, you know? Yeah, right. Too much, a little bit. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. It's I, I like kind of walking the tightrope or whatever. Right. You know? What can I say and what can I say? Um, yeah, I agree. I think the funny thing is I saw a talk that um, Mark Frost did at USC mm. on um, YouTube, actually. Maybe you can put the link in your show notes or something. But yeah. he says um, that they didn't know who killed Laura in the pilot but they decided shortly after. And there's an interview he gives in um, 1990 where he says, we had to get to know the town and everybody in it before the killer revealed themselves to, like, he, you know, he didn't say he or she. Yeah. He, you know, he said it in some sort of neutral way before we, the killer was revealed or something like that. So it kind of, I think that terminology makes sense because, I, it's it's like whether they knew it or not, Leland was always the killer. You know, that, that sounds kind of weird, but yeah, it, it was almost like maybe they consciously didn't know he he was the killer, but yeah. they they kind of like kept on going in that direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then also um, in the pilot, uh, also in the pilot, uh, Hawk and Leland are in Laura's room, and Hawk finds the diary, and, and Leland says, "Do you have to take that?" And of course, you're thinking as a father, you don't. You, that's very personal to my daughter. But in the same sense, if you're the killer, you you're, you could be afraid of any information uh, that could get. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I want. I mean, I could keep on going on, but I also don't want to derail our conversation. If you guys have other things well, you want to I, talk, I mean, I think. Maybe we can discuss each one, but I'd love to hear all of them, you know? I oh. mean, actually, the bedroom, um, the funny thing about that is 
Truman said there's like a moment where sitting on the couch and she hears this movement upstairs and she gets kind of terrified, Sarah Palmer. That's right, who's upstairs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he goes, your husband. And it's just this weird moment and she's like, pauses for a second and then she's like relieved, but it's kind of ominous. Yeah, right, it's kind of like... Therapies. I'm sorry. Going. Say that again, Joel, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, keep going, keep going. No, do you think, well, we, we discussed that was uh, Sarah drugged? You know, was Sarah drugged? Or did she know what was going on in her own house? I feel like she was drugged or something because she's always out of it. She doesn't know what's going on. She always seems like she's in the dark. So, like... Suggest that with the reveal episode because she's crawling down the stairs and she passes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I thought she got punched in the stomach or something. <laughs> that's, what Brian, that's what Brian said. He said, I think... <laughs> Um, so, you know, again, moving on, episode two, and this, I think, comes from video watchdog number two. You know, we have this whole uh, rock-throwing technique, and, uh, yeah. you know, Cooper is going to concentrate on the Jays today. And, you know, what is the closest name to the name Leland? And I think the closest name is Leo. And so, uh, and, that, and that's what breaks the bottle breaks. I mean, maybe it's a stretch. I never but, thought of that. Yeah. Wow. It's, I don't know if it's a stretch, but it's... I just thought, okay, well, it's breaking because... Leo was a bad guy and he hurt her, even though he didn't kill her. But no, that's I like you, I like your interpretation better. <laughs> it's pretty cool, right? I mean, yeah. The universe is telling him you're almost there. You're almost yeah. there, right? You're and getting warmer. K. Oh no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and was Leo ever the alphabet? But it isn't. Oh, yeah. Was was Leo ever close to Laura? Beyond selling her drugs, yeah, I mean, he was one of the th he was one of the um, people that she was with then that night. I mean, remember he got remember he had a fight. Yeah, with that's Jock true. And I stuff. guess yeah. was Leo ever close to uh, Leland? No, I mean, because I mean, remember I know, how Ben I, was close to Leland and he you, gave I, out I, the I know bad. You're, I, you're still kind of unsure about this. I, it will come up again. I know. It, I in the woods with the mask. You mean? You know, I read I, something that. The, uh, I'm sorry, Joel. Are you asking if he was that guy in the woods? I read something. Leo was doing the drug deal. The guy in the woods with the mask was supposedly the killer. So I think this is a good episode to talk about that now. I mean, yeah. Do, do you want Do you want me to go there, Joel, and, and get into the, the? I mean, I can do it by episode and kind of. Oh, well, you're on episode two, so it's per, I guess that was the one where he did it. I think so. Um, so no. was that Leland in the in the oh, mask? Okay, no, well, I, we don't know about that mask, and I think when we were we originally did there, right, Joel? I mean, that's it's kind of a question mark. Yeah, they've never. I don't think Frost has ever said he did say that the guy who hits Jacoby is the killer. That's right. who I'm talking about. And that's that's so, the guy in the know, mask. If we, there, if we yeah. want to go in chronological, I, what's that, Joel? I was saying we don't know if the guy who stands in the woods. Remember, Leo's. There's a guy standing in the woods with a yeah. mask. Right. Bobby and Mike are are hanging or are, are getting the football, and yeah. Leo is standing yeah. there. And there's like, Who, who's with you? And we do see a guy in a mask <clears throat> in the tree, but uh, near the uh, in back of a tree. But right, we never learn about that. But I think you are talking about we're way up to episode seven or something, yeah, six yeah. and seven. But I don't know if we. Why don't we? Why don't we keep going and then okay. I'll revisit. Okay, go back to episode two, and we'll get to that because I wanted to hear your. Uh, your thoughts on episode two. Okay. You so, have more besides the rock throwing one, because I have one. Um, so in episode two is the episode, of course, with Cooper's dream, the red room, the little man dancing. Yeah. This is the first time we see Leland dancing. 
and stuff in the wow. same episode that we learn about the little man dancing and you know he, this is the one where he says we have to dance with Sarah and he he has the picture of Laura yeah. and it smashes and blood on Leland's hand I mean oh, the idea of you've got Red. blood on your hands Bl- yeah like, blood of, like, oh yeah you're a murderer you've got blood, blood on your, your hands. hands and then he smears the blood all over Laura's picture and um yeah we, we have to dance wow. we, ha- we have yeah. to dance for Laura um yeah and th- do you have anything to say about that, Joel, before I, I continue? I Yeah, well, that's that's kind of, I, in my head, I have a little theory, which I don't know if it's true, which is that, you know, Frost says not long after the pilot, we figured out who the killer was. Hmm. And I wonder if it was either A, while writing that episode, because that's the last one in the whole series that Lynch and Frost wrote together. Yeah. Um, wow. Lynch did the story for episode eight, but that might just mean he suggested certain things and mm. and Frost wrote it. Um, but that's the last one where they both wrote it together. So I kind of wonder if the, when they were writing that scene, it was kind of like, okay, he's the guy. And then another part of me wonders, maybe it wasn't until they shot it, because supposedly the blood smearing was an accident. I've heard that. Leland or Ray Wise... I think actually Grace Zabriskie might have cut her hand and yep. reached over and grabbed the blood from her hand and just was improvising and put it on the picture. I think you're right, Joel. So, yeah, so so I thought, wouldn't that be wild? Because Ray Wise hated being the killer. He really didn't want to be. Oh, yeah. I thought, wouldn't that be wild if it's because of him that he was? Like, they saw that and were like, well, now Leland has to be the killer, you know? Interesting. Uh, the only thing with that is they shot that episode out of sequence. It was the second-to-last episode of the season that they shot. They that's shot. right, because uh, Lynch was busy with uh, Wild at Heart. And, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you're talking really late for them to decide to kill her if that was <laughs> Wow. they shot it. So that's... I don't know about that. Maybe that's not true, but... That's interesting, though. Yeah, and you know, talking about Ray Wise, you know, I think he had a, a young family. I think he had, a, I think maybe a young child, and so I think he really didn't want to be the murderer and be connected like that. And yeah. I think he also liked being on the show, and he knew that if he was the killer, he he, he wouldn't he wouldn't be on the show anymore. So I think he really dreaded yeah. the thought of, of being on that. So uh, another thing about related to the scene uh, uh, at the beginning of the scene with uh, Leland before uh, you know before he says let's dance for Laura. Mm. He's snapping his fingers, and then he puts the record on. And then, and I'm just trying to connect this, that Cooper has his dream, and he, when Cooper wakes up, he's snapping his fingers. I don't know if there's a yes. connection with that idea that, like, that, like, Cooper seems like he's really into this music of the dancing, and, and he's, like, kind of, like, in sync. And to have, have Leland doing that, too, I don't know. Maybe it's I, a reach, but... Not... I, I just connected something. I mean, okay, you... Uh, Cooper wakes up snapping. Leland sna- was snapping. Snapping the record when he turns on the record. Fast forward to episode 15. Leland's driving crazy in the road, and Cooper says um, about the driver's school. Oh, yeah. And he's whistling the, the song, song that Leland is singing. Yeah, like he's in sync. He's a strong singer. Yeah, he's so a rock. Yeah. Connection for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's, so a, that's strong, cool. he's a strong sender. Yeah, strong, strong sender. sender. <laughs> Take the uh, quote. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, uh, I don't know. How, I'm yeah. I'll share this episode three. I well, I, in episode three, this is the funeral episode. Yeah. Some things I wanted to mention was that like in in the in episode one script, uh, Leland's having trouble making funeral arrangements, and Ben uh, is assisting him and tells the funeral people on the phone that he will pick up the tab. And then when we jump to episode three, uh, in the morgue, Ben is basically saying, "I'm I'm 
I'm I'm a I sorry I've agreed to appear on his behalf on Leland's behalf. I actually was wondering if Leland. I mean, this is a stretch because it's not there. But was Leland manipulating Ben even back then to fact that like you take care of all this arrangement stuff and then I can pin it on you? I mean, this is a stretch, but it's still mm. interesting to see Ben kind of handling a lot of this stuff for yeah. for Leland. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, that's a good question because I kind of take it even um, even if Leland was responsible for, you know, like it wasn't just Bob pulling his puppet strings or whatever. I always kind of take it that after he killed her, Leland, like, blanks out. Like, maybe he forces himself to forget or something. Totally, yeah. But it's interesting to wonder more what you're saying, if there's still a part of him, or even if it's the Bob part, that is saying, um, okay, do this now step Ben up this way and kind mm. of manipulating things like that. That's kind of an... I, I never really thought... But he does set Ben up later because he takes... So like, it the isn't fur, right? that they're led to Ben. He leads them to Ben because he takes the white fox fur. Right. That's yeah. to go way ahead. I'm jumping way ahead. No, no, no. you got to connect the dots, so I think that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Cool, and of course the classic scene. We're at the we're at the uh, we're at the uh, funeral, and uh, Leland jumps on the castic castic the I mean the, the casket know, casket, which t- and it rises and falls and it all, it's to me comical. It's, it's comical, comical, but gosh, it makes me think of incest in some ways. He's on top of the. <laughs> yeah, that's know. a weird. The, it, it's a weird moment in the show. Like it's bouncing up and down, like. It's broken. It's such an odd thing to be happening. Like, yeah, it is weird. Sarah says, don't ruin this, too. Yeah, why would she say that? What has he ruined in the past? I mean, right? I mean, that is... Very suggestive. Very suggestive. Yeah. And I think that was improv. I don't think it was in the originally in the script, or maybe I'm wrong. That he I, just... I looked it up, and I think it was, because somebody ever talking to, I think, Brad Dukes about that, because there was something in his book, um, anecdote from the director, where she said... Ray Wise came up with this or something? Yeah, that's what I think I read it. You're right. It was Brett. script, I think. Okay. Um, what Charlie Payton wrote. And Harley Payton, I, this is another thing we can get into, but there's a little, it's not totally clear to me who knew what when. During, I think, the USC talks, they make it like, oh, well, Bob and Harley knew as well, told their wives. I think Bob Engels said that, and we told our wives, so like five or six people knew in the first I honestly don't believe that, and Bob Engels is kind of all over the map sometimes. Oh, yeah. Memories, like he'll say something in one interview and something totally different in the next. Right. So Jennifer Lynch says, this sounds closer to me, is like, you know, they brought her in the room and they're like, you know, this was in, I guess, July or August when they were planning the second season and said, you know, you're now one of three air-breathing mammals who knows who killed Laura Palmer Yeah, when she's writing a diary. So I find it hard to believe, as much as they entrusted the other writers with stuff, I find it hard to believe that they knew. And I, I don't think they did either, because there's a quote from Harley Payton in Reflections where he says, he flat out says he doesn't think they even had a killer in mind. Yeah, so I think it was definitely it was Lynch... Frost, and then write the, probably be, uh, whenever she had to write the book, uh, that Jennifer Lynch was probably brought in, and that was it. I think I think you're right on that. And then after that, they had to let you know Harley and Bob know, and they I, they had to let um, Frost's brother know because he wrote that episode hmm. where Leland is. Uh, Dancing and driving the car and all of that. Well, the interesting in the script, in the script, we have Big Ed driving the car, and he looks in the mirror and sees Bob, 
<laughs> yeah, that's so. I think I remember hearing that. That's so weird. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I think it's just but, afraid for the, the script gets leaked yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah it's, it, I guess it's just like it's such an unconvincing. <laughs> but I guess it's yeah. It's it's there's a lot of stuff like that. Like for example, they so they made this big conceal of like shooting the scene with Ben Horn where he murders uh, Maddie. Mm. But then a couple weeks later, they have to shoot the scene in the jail cell with Leland confessing, and it's like, um, that was shot before the reveal episode aired, because they weren't, you know, they were more than two weeks ahead of right. of air date. So I always wonder, it's like, they made all this effort, and yet, even so, the closer they got to the air date, the greater the likelihood that people, multiple people knew, you know? Yeah, yeah. but even in that oh, script, even in the script of the jail cell, the uh, Ben is still doing the lines of Leland in the jail cell. So at least on the script, they were trying to keep yeah, it as long as they, possible. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they shot that scene with Ben as well. The no, no, I don't think so. No, definitely not. No. Patty's murder scene. But... No, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, I, I, we probably don't have too much more on episode three, but there, there is at the end of that episode where Cooper and Hawk are talking about uh, a spirit, and and then uh, then Leland is dancing uh-huh. and stuff, and he wants to dance with people. So it's I mean, it's not seem like almost every episode we have uh, this dancing, da- crying and dancing, dancing. But it always it, it, it now we can look back and say it's, it's almost mm. connected to the little man from another place where he dances and yeah. stuff. So that you know, if, yep. we, if we it's all about dream logic or dream code. If we could if we could break the code, we would we would have known all along that Leland was basically telling us that he was the killer. Or, yeah, or that he was somehow related to this. This mystery. And do you think he was he he was crying because he knew it was him, bec- but it, but Bob it was really trying to take hold of him. And I think for me, the moment his hair turned white, that's when Bob was like full swing in his in, in him. I felt that's when I kind of he became because he wasn't s- s- crying anymore. Yeah, he was dancing happy. happy. happy yeah. So it was almost yeah. like. He he's gone insane. Yeah, Joel, what do you make of the white hair? Like, why do you what 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 do you think that was about? I've never really figured out why. I, it, it it just works on a gut level. Like yeah. like oh yeah, Leland's hair turned white somehow. You know. <laughs> it's Twin Peaks. And Crazy stuff happens. Oh, yeah, but I yeah. don't quite know why it happened. No, it's too funny. Episode four. Um, at the, at the Palmer house, Sarah is talking to Andy and Truman, mostly Truman, but and Andy I think is is taking notes or sketching and yep. talking about the Bob vision, and he says, "Oh, his face, my God, his face!" And then all of a sudden, who comes in? Leland mocking her and basically saying, "Oh, she's had two visions." Yeah, that's right. And yeah. To me, it's kind of like, is that Bob coming out being like, "We can't take this stuff serious that she's talking about." You I know, feel like, like it is. It's like uh, well, Leland might know. Leland knows in the end that what, what ha- that Bob can take over his body and he do- he's done horrible things. Yeah. So maybe it could have been Leland or it could have been Bob or I mean ah, you, who you, knows, you, you right? You could look at it as either Leland is doesn't believe his wife when it comes to this supernatural world, yep. or we could take it as if he is Bob, he doesn't want to take this. St- he doesn't want them to get closer to exactly. solving this mystery, and he's saying. Yep. Yeah, why are we wasting our time on visions? Yeah. Anything, Joel? Anything you want? Or do you want to go to episode five? I'll... Yeah, no, you can keep going. Okay. Um, let's see. Episode five, Great Northern. Jerry's talk, um, talking to the Icelanders, and all of a sudden music starts, which I th- think it might have been Audrey sabotaging them. I'm not sure. Yeah. But And then Leland begins to cry and dance. And the interesting thing I find is when I remember watching this, he, he crouches down 
almost as though he's smaller. You know, like he kind of like he get, but he kind of crutch, crutch, crouches and gets into a ball, and yeah. then all of a sudden he extends himself and starts dancing by himself. He has the whole stage to himself, and that to me really makes me think of the little man from yeah. another place. That he's 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 tiny. He's he's you know. Yep, and then he gets bigger, like the giant. Yeah. I so I mean, it's more dancing. I mean, I guess you could talk a lot about <laughs> dancing, but. Um, episode six, Maddie, seek, um, Maddie sneaks out of the Palmer house. This one, I think, I think people who actually saw the show uh, when it aired, or even people who have seen it for the first time, a lot of people think maybe this this is one of those times where they question it, whether it could be Leland. Maddie sneaks out of the Palmer house, and then Leland is sitting in the dark, and he's got this kind of menacing. I mean, part of me when we talked about it, I thought, well, maybe he's crying, and he's yeah. just but he's very menacing. And what, what did you think of that scene? Is that ever? Does that ever? There's. I've heard a couple intro casts and um, maybe even three where the new person. That's the episode where the, for the first time they go. Maybe in fact, this might have been one of them. <laughs> I remember if Brian picked up on that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't think you did, but I can, but I've heard it too. There. Yeah, I can yeah, look at my just notes. Like, wait a second, did Lee? Because they make him look so creepy. And the funny thing about that is. The episode was written by Peyton. It was directed by Cal and Caleb Deschanel. Ray mm. Wise didn't know. So nobody involved in that decision of executing that. Maybe, the, you know, maybe Frost was like, hey, could you guys have a scene? But, like, I kind of doubt, like, nobody involved in the execution that actually knew Leland was the killer. And yet it was like they were picking up the vibes or something. It's, it's just funny how that works. On it that is show. something. And, and we're getting closer to talking about the ski mask and killing, I'm not killing, yeah. uh, beating up uh, uh, Jacoby. But it definitely, you could see, in your own mind, I think you could see Leland kind of being in the dark and, the, and then Maddie leaving the house and maybe him, all, you know, we didn't see it, but maybe then he gets up and follows her. I mean, because, yeah. because yep. if he yeah. followed her and he had a mask, he would be right where Dr. Jacoby would be and stuff. That so, would make sense. Yeah. All right, episode seven. What happened, yeah. Yeah. Episode seven. In the hospital, hospital, Leland smothers Jacques Renault with a pillow. And, I, I mean, so I think, Joel, I, I, we can't get into it too much, but in a way it seems like he's covering his tracks. And I think we, in, in future stuff that happens, maybe Jacques knows more information and stuff. And, and in a way he's kind of covering – I mean, he. we know that Leland is now the third man – and so you don't know you don't understand the, all the details of what happened to Laura and, and that night. Yeah. But we know that then we know that Jacques and Leo and Laura were together and, and Renette. And somehow Leland gets involved with this as well. So in some ways I feel like this whole smothering of Jacques could also be covering his tracks to for... That is true. That is definitely that that makes sense to me now. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of talk about uh, like when Leland and Bob diverged and without getting too much into later revelations or, or insight, I think to me, just dramatically, what's most interesting is to figure out the ways they kind of coincide. Mm. I like that because it's like you have on the one hand a part of Leland that, you know, loves his daughter and grieves for her, and it's like if he is having repressed memory, is like, this guy did it, I'm going to kill him. Then you also have the part of Leland that knows, you know, I did this and, and wants to cover the tracks. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have the, the Bob wanting to sort of lead them astray. So you kind of have, I think the most interesting thing to me is whenever Twin Peaks kind of suggests that the spirit and the human world kind of coincide in a way, like the psychology and the mythology go hand in glove. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes it does that, and sometimes it kind of bleeds away from that. So, But it's always kind of interesting to piece that together. 
Definitely. And that's very Lynchian because he always does that. You know, he does Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway and all that. It's There's always, like, there's these kind of, you could, you could call them supernatural or, like, uncanny, unexplainable things happening, but yet they kind of resonate on a psychological level. It's like, well, yeah, this actually makes sense with, you know, human behavior and, and how humans think and act, even in a realistic way, even though they're presenting it in this sort of, uh, you know, uh, like way. Yeah, and I, what I like about that too is that uh, Lynch definitely opens it up for interpretation. I mean, I think that's what I love too, that like he always leaves it open that, like I, I have a theory about Lost Highway and I think I know it, but you know, mm. you talk to somebody else who watched it and they saw it in a whole different way and I think that's, to me, was what's what's most beautiful about his work is that you can appreciate yeah. his stuff, and 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 you have to decide what what it is to you, it means to you, and stuff. So episode it's eight, engage with it. Yeah, episode eight, we already talked a little bit about how Lena's singing and dancing, and his hair is white, and when when he sees Sarah and Maddie, and I think I I think I I wrote. Uh, when Jacques, after Jacques' death, it seems like he his hair is white. But yeah, but yeah, his whether that hair's be... white. Oh, it also reminds me of the white horse. Yeah, because the horse is white. There's a lot of white things. There's there's talk about white house. There's talk about white horses. There's definitely. I mean, there's yeah. more. There's even more talk about white when we get down the, as the down series the road, continues yeah. and stuff. But yeah. Um, so Cooper and Truman uh, talk to Doctor. I mean, yeah, Doctor Jacoby in the hospital. Cooper mentions he was. He was there when Jacques was murdered, and then and doctor and then so they're trying to get out. It's like you were there. I know you were kind of messed up and stuff, but can mm. you get any more information from you? And then Doctor Jacoby, I think you missed this, may possibly. Uh, and I I wanted to wait for this episode to talk to you about it, Brian. But Doctor uh, Jacoby says there was a smell, a smell like oil, scorched engine oil, and and. And and so I'm I'm gonna, I want to I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead and I want to connect it all together so that we're all on the same page. So that's episode eight, yeah. and then episode ten. Um, yeah, is that the right? I just want to do. Uh, is it like being put in a trunk? You smell oil from a car. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get there. You'll, I'll get you there. <laughs> episode ten. I, I'll probably jump back, but episode ten they hypnotize Cooper hypnotizes Doctor Kobe, and and then. As uh, Cooper is the one that asked, do you remember smelling uh, this engine oil in the hospital? And Dr. Jacoby says he remembers smelling engine oil at the park. Mm. And um, and Cooper Cooper doesn't get it, and he basically says, let's get back to the hospital. But what it's and then I mean, I'll, that's I'll connecting one. that Leland was at the park that knocked him out, and at the hospital that killed Jock. Yes, and the last one I'll do, and then I'll get. It, it, we can talk about it. Is episode fourteen when Maddie is killed? Uh, she, when she comes down the stairs, she smells something. She says, "Hey, I'm smelling something burning." Oh yeah, and, and that's so. It would be. Inter- I think one interpretation is when Bob is around, and maybe he's about to kill or something. That he he has this scent of engine oil. All right, I let Joel talk here, but I wanted to put sulfur. all that together. So in the gum. That's a, that's a great point, and it ties in with fire too. You know those. Yeah. To me. Oh and yeah. I, yeah. Laura says to James. Or James says that Laura said to him, "You want to play with fire, little boy?" Which is also what Bob said to Leland. He remembers. He yeah, when he was a boy. Or whoever. There was a man at the Robertson's house who said, "You want to play with fire?" And he lights the match and flicks it. Mm, and that's then um, uh, the log lady says, "Fire is the devil." What does she say? Yeah, and, and when she when they visit her, the... hiding like a coward in the smoke. Yeah. So you have this association, and then when Leland dies, or when Bob leaves Leland, you know he smashes his head on the door. 
it's because the water goes on on the sprinkler, so you could say it's going on and putting out the fire. Oh, I like that. I never thought of that. That's really cool. Another me- double meeting. Like the yeah. only way to justify that stupid scene with Dick Tremaine lighting a cigarette. <laughs> In front of a pregnant lady, oh. nonetheless. Yeah. And I always, I always kind of thought of fire as the devil, you know, like as that, that you know, we have these demons yep. in hell and, and something like that. But so you, I've been holding off on this, but you've basically been saying, oh, I heard that the person who jumped Jacoby is the killer. And, and this kind of proved it in the sense that we know the Scorch Engine Oil was at the park and we know Sc- Scorch Engine Oil was at the hospital when Leland murdered. So it was Leland... I, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if we... If... Well, that's, that's one of the controversial things that I've read, is people say that Jacoby clarifies it and goes, oh, no, it wasn't at the hospital, it was at the park, but I'm not 100% sure... Well, I think I think what happens is he says that he says he's talking about the park, and Cooper is the one that say is the one that tries to lead him back to the hospital. Like I think Cooper is the one that miss, misses the reading, misses that Jock is. I mean, I mean, uh, Jacoby is basically saying it happened at the park as well, and I think it's Cooper who led him back to the hospital. Said no, 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 let's talk about the hospital. So I think yeah, yeah if we went back to that, but. Um, so oh, well, I'm just wondering if he did because that also would suggest Bob was there when Jacques was killed. Yeah, and which and, and it's funny because we always would kind think of puts it in a new light, like you were. Yeah, because we we would think that Leland was the one that is grief of his daughter. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like the 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 most logical or straightforward read is that was totally Leland doing that. He was in grief, blah blah. blah. And if Jacoby only smelt the engine oil at uh, the park, then that would that would kind of confirm that. Right. But if he smelled it at the hospital, too, that kind of throws it in a new light, like you were saying, that either Bob is always there with Leland or that Bob was there in that moment for a specific reason because, you know, he was playing a witness, or, or not a witness, but he was tracks. But yeah. yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, in, in the future, we have, uh, there's more talk about uh, about Jacques and he might have more information about Leland, and that's why I'm, I don't want to get into it too much. But that he, Jacques that, comes back from the dead? Maybe. No, no. <laughs> All, right, All right, never no. mind. We'll get into that another time. <laughs> oh, no. We'll get into that another time. Um, what else there? Oh, you know, the other thing is... That, hey, wait, what, what, was that? what just happened? Uh, we're, we're talking about in the future, uh, maybe there might be a future scene where Jacques somehow comes back and, and, and talks about Leland, but I don't want to... Spoil anything too much for? I, I, I think I said, did Jacques come back from the maybe, dead? Maybe it's flashbacks. You know, like they do flashbacks. All right. <laughs> Anyways, but, Jacques' yeah, cousin. This is gonna be. This is fun because you don't. You still seem to have kept free of too many spoilers. I know. I can't believe it. I, I still can't. Don't, I, don't go on Twin Peaks sites because I see them put up one of the last images from the show. Uh, like, oh, I don't. I don't. I. Tumblr, you know, I see it all the time on Twitter. It's like. Hey, look at this great shot! And it's like that is a great shot, but if you've never seen the show, it's kind right. of spoiler, you know. I still, I'm still amazed that that Brian was able to make it through the se- yeah. through, through the mystery and not know who killed it Laura Palmer. Is, I mean, but there's more, you know. Yeah. You don't want to be spoiled on so. So the only other thing I want to say about Leland uh, killing Jacques was I love that. I mean, after rewatching it several times, you know, you have the fire alarm go off, and then all of a sudden the fire alarm stops, and he kind of like shakes, and he's. I, it would look like he's like realizing, oh, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes watch that and think, is that when all of a sudden Leland wakes up, or like could it Bob be yeah. could Bob be killing Jacques, and then yeah, all of a sudden that, the alarm alarm goes off, and Leland's back, and he's like, I got to get out of here and stuff. You know, like mm. I don't and know. He knows he does horrible things, so. You're well, he doesn't right. know. Leland, Leland, Leland is, uh, you know, he says that when he's dying that he doesn't always remember what happened. But he knows he's done, he, he's made him do horrible things. He says only that, now, yeah. Only after he di- he's Don't, dead. Let's give him an out there because it says, 
Bob says, I'm going to leave and pull the ripcord, and then yeah. everything. Right. But theoretically just be that he's remembering it now, but he didn't. Fair know. enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of mu- They muddy the waters a lot in that episode. It's kind of interesting. And yet they still leave a lot of doors open, too. It's it's an odd episode, but we'll get to that. <laughs> and then in episode eight in the Hayward uh, house, Leland sings Get Happy, and he and he starts get, he starts ramping it up and gets a little crazy and snapping. Yeah. He's snapping and singing faster and get ready for the judgment day, and he collapses, and he's like, I feel happy. <laughs> but, Is that like sort of like foreshadowing him falling in the, the cell? I don't know if it's and foreshadowing. And he feels happy because like, he really – he. He, the truth is out, and he can be happy now. I don't know if that's it, but it's just weird in some way that he's he he's kind of like losing control a little yeah. bit. And I like the whole idea of the Judgment Day. Is like is is Bob? Well, like the Judgment Day is him dying, being in he's yeah, maybe. he's collapsed. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Wait, the lyrics of the song actually are they're not just random. No, right. Yeah, they yeah. they have meaning, and yep. and this will come up again when we get to the, a future episode when I get there. That he he sings things, and sometimes he's singing things that are very much seem related. Once you've seen the show, you say, "Wow, that that yep. really ha, ha, could talk about the whole Bob stuff that's going on." But yeah, I definitely connect the dots yeah. now. You know, episode nine, um, Leland re- recognizes the drawing of Bob in Ben Horn's office. I, I mean, I'll open it there, and, and if you guys have anything to say about that, I can. Or I'll go into more detail if you want. Anything, Joel? That, to me, episode nine, actually not nine because you don't know what he's going to do with that information, but ten when he goes to the police station and he says, he tells them the whole story about Bob. Almost more than episode 16, that's the episode that seems to most strongly suggest Leland doesn't know about Bob and also doesn't know that he killed his daughter. Yeah, yep. That because it's such a weird. Why would somebody who killed their daughter go to the police station and be like, you know, um, basically, basically like, blame himself like, in some ways, or at least yeah. even, if, even if he didn't know about Bob, but he knew he killed Laura, and he knew that this man was wanted in connection with his daughter's death. Unless he thought he could pass it off on him. I mean, if you want to get really deep into it, we, we could maybe. I'm, I'm making this up as I go along, so maybe it's not going to make sense when I finish it. <laughs> but you could you could argue, I guess, what if he um, sees the picture of Bob and he recognizes him, and he thinks if he gives them information, it'll lead them to Bob, and then you know Bob will be this because he thinks Bob's a real person. Bob will be captured, and that'll be the guy they pin the, my daughter's death on, even though I did it, because he doesn't know that Bob actually. In other words, I like that. The bar, but he doesn't know about Bob. I don't know if I buy that, but right. I'm throwing it out there. Well, I mean, I, if you're going in this direction or even another way, what if what if we believe Bob? There is a Bob who, who's taken over Leland, yep. and sometimes Leland can wake up. And what if he was able to? What if just seeing that picture of him woke him up and says, "I might not be here that long before Bob takes over again." And you know, in a way, I yeah, can I yeah. can basically tell them what I know, and that before I, I before Bob takes over again, and you know, maybe Almost the opposite, like not knowing he killed Laura, but knowing. Or not not having killed Laura right. himself, but knowing about Bob. So yeah, yeah, literally, that could be read in almost completely opposite ways. That's <laughs> it's, funny. It's, I guess it's more ambiguous, but it does it does push you in the direction of thinking um, he doesn't know Bob, and he doesn't know that he killed his daughter. Yeah, mm. and just like reporting something he vaguely remembers. Also, he mentions. There's precedent for that. Has, oh. has Brian seen Lost Highway? 
I don't think I saw did. Last Highway when I was in high school. Um, I'm gonna rewatch it because I'm sure we're gonna end up doing it eventually. Well, without um, giving away too much, there's a lot of stuff in that movie about people sort of dissociating and coming up with other identities and genuinely like almost making themselves forget stuff. So there's yeah, and for that idea. Well, not precedent because it came afterwards, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And, uh, real quick, I got, you know, Lost Highway is my favorite Lynch film. Do you know how maybe some of the origin of, of that story came about? Uh, Lee, I mean, uh, David Lynch lo- was obsessed with the OJ case at the time. Really? Like the Bronco, that makes total the Bronco sense. chase and about, like, yeah, the whole, just the whole storyline. And, and when we get into the movie, I love, I mean, I'd love to talk more about it. But, Knowing, knowing the OJ case and the yeah. events that happened in that, and then putting it onto yeah. onto the movie, you can say, yeah, I can see the parallels. I can see how he could, you know, rip from the headlines basically and put that into the movie. Yeah, I can't wait to rewatch it's it. Funny because yeah. OJ, you know, came after um, Firewalk with me, but it's almost like following because it's like OJ's whole thing was like. Oh, I didn't do anything going off. And I think Lynch has a quote. He's like, I saw him smiling and playing golf. And I was like, how uh, did you do that after they right. killed their wife? And it's like, you know, kind of thinking um, about that. And, and that's kind of what, I mean, that's literally what we see in some of the episodes of Twin Peaks where we were playing golf. Yeah, yeah. isn't that funny? Yeah. year to year. So it's almost like, and a lot of people read it this way, where it's like, in the world, Bob is real, but in the metaphorical sense with the you know sort of like dr jekyll and mr hyde or whatever actually telling us psychologically is there's a part of the brain that we you know you know just sort of repress the ugly truths and keep them hidden and that's sort of this pretty happy surface with the dark undertones and everything yeah Uh, but the funny thing with twin um and we'll see some more later on in the in Twin Peaks, is um, it's the it's the moment when she starts to take it being like real in world, but true metaphorically, and actually starts to make the characters within the work conscious or struggling with the evil they're doing. Kind of Lynch, mm. uh, you know, with Twin Peaks, I think is where he starts to consider making the good and evil more intertwined and not so easily separated as they were in his earlier films. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to say also to go back to when Leland goes to the, you know, police station. This is where it threw me for a loop. And I, I on the show, I talked about this to Ben was why would um, why would Leland see someone that looked that that way when he was a kid? And we were joking around. Oh, did he have? Did Bob have a kid? And like the kid looked like him, or did he? And to me, I I it was changing. I'm like, there was a spirit or a ghost. I I, I don't know if you heard. Um, I started talking about was this family being haunted by a a spirit or a ghost that only the females were seeing because at that point only Laura Maddie had seen it. Cooper had. No, wait. Cooper had seen something. Well, Cooper I think. saw him in his dream. Saw his dream, but Cooper is a strong sender. So I, so I, my thought at that point was, there's a ghost haunting this family, or you know, right? That would make no sense. Why it, it was would, only happening basically to the Palmers, other than it, Cooper? Oh, and Renette. Is, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Renette but it makes totally sense because it really only was happening. Well, mostly to the family. Mostly to the family. Yeah, they're witnessing what's happening in family yeah. at least at this point. Yeah. So. Uh, so you know when when uh, when when Leland takes takes his information to uh, Truman and Cooper, 
he talks about I mean he talks about being a boy at his uh, his grandfather's summer place and, yeah and th- for the next several episodes he's really talking about being a boy he talks about you know even the the sixteenth episode he talks about that gummy like was when he was a boy and yeah I mean there was a lot of references to that and I I brought up at the la- at the last episode could what do you think about um, Mrs Tre- Tre- Tremont's grandson maybe actually being Leland. Is that a stretch? I mean, like, so we don't, we know they're not real or they're not, we don't know who to make of the Tremonds and the grandson. Joey, any thoughts on that? That's sort of hard to talk to as well, because right now we've only seen the Tremonts that once. Yeah, and then they disappear. We go there, they, Donna goes there and they're, they don't, they're, they're not, they're not there anymore. Such little information, you know. All right, let's revisit that then. I'll but, have more to say on that later. <laughs> okay. Maybe when we get to, yeah, when we get to a future episode, we'll talk okay. about that. That's fair. Um, what else do I want to talk about here? So, um, stuff, yeah, that I think connects them for sure. So I go to episode 11. The, this, the episode starts with a very extreme close-up of the wall tile and this haunting sound of daddy, daddy, screaming sound of Laura. Uh-huh. And then we, we pan out and we see that it's uh, Leland uh, uh, being interrogated by Truman about the whole thing. But originally I would have read that as uh, uh, he's still feeling the pain of the loss of his daughter. Yeah. yeah. But what do you think now, Joel, with the idea that uh, uh, we know he's That's the killer? That's another interesting example of people just almost intuitively um, being on the same page because uh, although Mark Frost co-wrote that episode, that, that, was, that the director came up with that, Todd Holland. Ah. Image. I, I think Reflection says that. Yeah. So, and he obviously wasn't told, you know, because he didn't need to know. And I think he actually says in, the, in Reflections, that like Frost and Lynch kind of like looked at each other or looked at or, or Frost or whoever looked at him and was like, wow, okay, and like made him change some of the audio. Like, well, we don't quite want this. Like, it was almost like he was getting too close. Yeah. Uh, so, and there was some screaming sounds too. That's in that. like such yeah. a, it's amazing to me in a way, looking back on it. And I, I guess it's just the kind of, and it's perfect for the theme of Twin Peaks, but the kind of not wanting to know. Mm. Kind of amazing that. I watched it and was still as like surprised as I was when Leland saw Bob in the mirror because there are they're really building up to it all through the early season two and and yet the only people I've ever seen pick up on it were the alt uh, TV people the the Usenet oh, yeah. um, group when they were talking when I went back and looked at the archives I would say at least half of them at least of the ones I you know I don't think I read them all but of the ones I saw. Uh, probably a majority were on to the fact that it was Leland, and I think a big part of that was reading the diary. Yeah, wow. it's, yeah. it's funny. So I mean, I don't know if I've shared or not, but I didn't pick up on it. I mean, I read the diary, I, yeah. everything I get my hands on. I didn't have access uh, in uh, 1990 to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but I mean, anything I picked. I mean, I got newspapers, uh, magazines, everything I could get. But I definitely was in shock when when I turned, you know, learned. I was also 15. I don't know if that would make a difference. That I had no idea that it would be the father. Yeah, of you the, wouldn't want. I think it would be the yeah. father. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was 24 and I didn't want to. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you know, I, that's why I'm saying I think it suspected it on some level, but mm. I'm like, nah. And I think that's the main reason Twin Peaks fools people still. Yeah. Uh, it, you don't want to believe. You don't want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's that dark. It seems like it's a dark show, but it's whole, you know, it, it knows where to draw the line. And there's actually a quote. 
uh, Lynch gave in, the, I think, the New York Times Magazine or something before the show came out and talking about pulling the letter from under Laura's fingernail, and he says, there's a line, and you have to go right up to it, but you can't go over it. Mm. And, you know, the fingernail thing kind of straddles that line. Yeah. So it's like, somehow, for I guess because he was kind of angry, it's like, you have to reveal it. He's like, well, fine, we're going to go all the way then. It's just, not just the reveal that it's her father, but the way it's executed with, like, the scene where it's just three minutes of him, like, punching Maddie, which I have no idea how that ended up on ABC. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's there because it's a great episode. But if I my job was to be like an ABC censor in the early '90s, there's no way I would have like passed that. You know, that's just insane that that was on TV. Totally, and you know, but, I, you yeah, know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you don't hear much about Candle this too. That a, I'm sorry, Joel. That's the biggest. Sorry, I was just gonna say I think that's the biggest surprise of that episode and why it's so surprising because. Twin Peaks sort of winks at you for about 14 episodes, and it says, we're going to be dark, but we're not going to be too dark. We're going to be violent, but not too violent. Um, we're going to sort of toe that line, but we know not to go over it. Mm. And it just runs over it. And that, it, I know both Lynch and Frost, you know, wrote, came up with it, and wrote, but, but that right there is totally, that's David Lynch, where he sets up boundaries, and it seems like he's going to respect those, and then he crosses it, and that's <laughs> his work is so fascinating. Yeah. That's why people get so angry. Right. Um, and not just in terms of content, but in terms of understanding the narrative. Like, Mulholland Drive is a good example. It seems to be one thing for an hour and 45 minutes. Mm. totally reverses itself. And people get angry, and they, they you know, got really angry at two weeks, even before that reveal happened. Because even as early as... Uh, the season two premiere, he was already starting to go over that line of what thought was, you know, going to be within bounds for that show. So that that's David Lynch, and that's why I think the show transcends just being a great entertaining show and actually uh, becomes a work of art because he's willing to sort of cross the boundaries that you're almost not supposed to cross, and he just goes there anyways. Totally. He forces you to. So I think if Twin Peaks started as this dark-sorted, like, Sopranos, Wire-esque show from the very beginning. Um, and it, it's dark, but it doesn't, you know, it's definitely not in that territory. Yeah. If it was like that from the very beginning, I think coming out with, like, the father did it, and, you know, there's this implied incest, would it would be like, oh, wow, but you'd be cushioned for it because you were kind of expecting something. To lure you in with this, like, sort of seductive, entertaining show that balances comedy and darkness and kind of makes you feel good after you watch it, even though it's got all this dark stuff. To lure you in with that and then wham you with the revelation that it's Leland and the murder of Maddie is, that's like a very subversive thing to do, you know? Yeah, and I think that's why Twin Peaks kind of floundered when it did, but I also <laughs> think it's why it lasted in the long run. I agree. So I, I, it's starting to get late, but I want to I want to see if we can cover maybe a few more episodes yeah. here. Sure, yeah. And episode thirteen. I mean, we already covered on episode thirteen the whole white fur that Leland took it, and then it. Yeah. Which you were you, you? I caught on right away. Well, Brian said. Well, Brian still was thinking uh, Ben was the murderer, but at the time he was like, "Why is Leland putting fur in his pocket?" <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It definitely, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but then the, the the thing that was interesting in this episode was Leland was singing "Getting to Know You," and I remember you being very intrigued by this and thinking I thought maybe you knew Brian that it was it was Leland. Um, yeah, I thought the song 
was telling, getting to know you, getting to know. But you me. thought it was Ben because Ben was singing with Leland too. Did you still think Ben was talking about getting to know him? Or well, I mean, I still thought it was Ben. But with Leland singing it, I like I thought maybe he was singing it like he knew it was Ben or oh, something. Yeah. At that moment, I that's the only thing I could think of. But so Brian, did you think Bob was possessing Ben, and there would be the stuff you see with Leland, but with Ben like just taking over, or how did you think Bob that would be resolved if Ben was the killer? Well, yeah, this, that's a good question because at the time. At the time, I was like, okay, Jacques was there, and Leo, and then I thought Bob maybe was something that killed them afterwards, and then that Ben Horn, because he had the... He had that um, the, the the gentleman club in Canada. Oh yeah, maybe he was involved. Yeah. So, that- but, but I feel like I feel like uh, I I don't remember what episode now that uh, one our man uh, had chem- without chemicals he points. points. I feel like that's when you kind of put it together that there was a host that that that, uh, that yes. there was a host and then that there must have been a spirit and Bob. We, at one point you were thinking. Mike was the host of of Bob. Yes, I did but think you, that you too. You started connecting it there, so I don't know if I. I also thought that um, uh, what's his name? Harold. Harold could have been a host to something. Yeah. Because I kept saying his alibi was well, he can't leave the house. Mm. So I thought, would, would he leave the house and not know it? And I thought maybe there was something up with Harold that he could have been the host to something because. But I was like, well, the alibi is he can't leave the house. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I knew Bob was some sort of ghost or some sort of spirit. And the owl thing, when they showed the owl on his face, I was like, the owl is connected to him. And, yeah, you know what? I was building the pieces, but because of those two episodes really pushed me to think it was Ben Horn. Mm. I kind of pushed everything aside. It was more focused on Ben. And I knew these other things were happening, but I felt because the show had so much going on that yeah. was it really connected to her death? You know? <clears throat> so Well what did yeah. you think why did you think they showed Bob killing her though in that flashback? See, I, I thought that Bob was a real person. Yeah, and I thought Bob oh, really like helped Ben or something. Yeah, I thought Bob was of like the the, the murders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, originally, I know you said, "Oh, I can look at the internet now." That was a season premiere yeah. of the second season. Like, oh, I can look at the internet now because I know who killed Laura Palmer. And it's like, don't look at the yeah. internet. <laughs> I thought Bob like that was the reveal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought Bob killed Laura like in the train yard. But that was Bob. And someone... hired him to do it or something? Yeah, like, he was just, oh, okay. like, on his own. He was on his own, and you had Jacques and Laura and the other girl, um, Renette, yeah. Renette, and they were all doing stuff, and then they got drugged out, and Bob was this killer. Or maybe he was a ghost about, figure or something. Do you think about the episode, right, was revealed, though, where Mike says, Bob has been his host for 40 years and all of that stuff. Like, did you think the... The guy in the jeans kit was Bob's host. I don't know. I'm trying to like put it. What did you make of that possession angle when, in combination with Ben having done it? Oh, like at the point where you kind of knew, because I think by episode 13, it's pretty clear Bob is not like a real, real person. Right. But like, yeah. Did you 
did you have any sort of... I'm just always intrigued, because I think because I knew he was going to kill Maddie, when they started leading you to mm. Ben in that episode, I was like, eh, red herring, you know? Yeah, yeah. If I hadn't known that, I'm wondering how I would have reconciled that with it being Bob. Would I have just assumed Ben is Bob's host the way Leland... Has... Y- yeah, I mean, I guess... Oh. That's how I would... The one-armed man does point at him in the uh, right. Great Northern for whatever reason. Yes, yeah, so that that scene, that's what made me think that Bob was possessed or Ben, ben was, was Ben yeah. was possessed with Bob and connected with the murder because he freaked out. But come to find out, it's only because they hung around each other yeah. that that kind of rubbed I off. I quite explain it. Yeah. It, it was definitely red herring, but for me, first-timer, I was like... It's Ben Horn because he freaked out in the look. To me, that's why I was like, it's Ben Horn. Right. It's Ben Horn. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed to confirm your belief that yeah. it was Ben. So, yeah, getting to know you, I love that song just because uh, because it's really like Bob's getting to know Leland or something. Yeah. Like that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Uh, episode four. Well, before I get to episode 14, uh, do we want to talk about the owl real quick? I mean, the idea of like so. There's there's a part yeah. where the one-armed man is in is in the, the Great Northern in his room. He knocks out the police officer, and then they they pan to the window, and he's gone. I always interpreted that as he turned into an owl and flew away. Did you, what is your thoughts, Joel? I don't know. I because I don't think the human hosts can transform. Ah, the spirits can, but I think if they do, they would leave the body behind. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the physical body of a one-armed man—that's just my take. No, I get it. Yeah, that makes. I don't think I don't think they do that kind of like all of the spiritual stuff in Twin Peaks seems like it's happening on like an almost like a hidden like metaphysical level, you know. And even if they're entering physical spaces, it's like they're going through a portal into another dimension, not like. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you yeah, saying. Yeah, I guess that gets into stuff that happens later. Yeah, 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 yeah. About it, but no, I, I, I find it hard to believe that the human hosts could turn into something else. I think the spirit would have to leave them, just like Bob leaves Leland in the uh, jail cell. Yeah. Okay, that makes so. sense too. So, I mean, there's not much more I have. The, uh, episode 14, Cooper does read some of Laura's diary, and we learn that that Bob abused and uh, molested her. Uh, and that uh, Bob is referred to as a friend of her father and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I guess you could think that you could, if she doesn't want to believe that, maybe she doesn't want to believe it's her father, she could yeah. think of it as a friend of his father. And yeah, he, and maybe because she says Bob. She mentions Bob in the diary. So Leland must come out and say to her, I'm not your dad, I'm Bob. I mean, for her to know Bob's name, that's disturbing. Yeah. You know? Uh, like it's well, just... uh, Jennifer Lynch in uh, the and, um, Andy Burke book Wrapped in Plastic that came out this year. Um, he's got some good interviews with Jennifer, or some it's from Jennifer Lynch who he interviewed, and she says, um, "I wish I had it in front of me," but she basically says the idea of Bob was like of like a master stroke and a shame. Because for her, it obscured people. Like to her, their interesting dramatic idea was that Bob was a construct between Laura and her father, so that both of them kind of saw him and used them to obscure what was going on. Hmm. It's almost like a shared secret kind of thing. Yeah. That sort of took on a life of its own. Um, and so she was kind of like, well, there's that whole quote in episode 16 where Cooper says, you know, uh, Truman says, geez, you know, it's hard to believe that there's this spirit in the woods and 
Cooper says, well, is it any easier to believe, you know, a man would rape and murder his own daughter? Right. And he goes, I don't know, I guess not. No, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of saying she felt like it was like a, a thing where for the network it was just easy to say he's an evil demon and then kind of obscure that, that aspect. Writing the diary, the interesting dramatic angle was that um, Bob was like mutual kind of a mutual construct. Yeah. Then. I can see that. That's what we talked about. Um, in the last episode. Yeah, the know. last episode. That's where I really that that's where that episode really gives you that like multiple forks in the road. You're like, mm, yeah. It, what what it, was it a spiritual thing? Was it a, just he was a weak man? He was host to doing something evil, and he used the Bob thing as just an excuse. That was his just his mask, but truly, it really was Leland just doing a horrible thing. And he, it's almost like he took that Doctor Jack or Mister Hyde thing, you know, yeah. like it was him all along, right. but doing a bad thing. So to repress that, he named it Bob. Right, and you know, if you went to episode exactly. six, if you went to episode sixteen, where uh, where uh, Leland's dying, he says, uh, he, he, you know, he opened me, and I invited him, and he came inside me, and when you know when he's inside me, I didn't know, but but like it's some of that conversation. It's disturbing to think that maybe he's really talking about uh, being abused as a child. That he was really talking about, you know, maybe he was molested as a child. I mean, if you don't take it as a spirit, you know, entering in him, mm. maybe it's talking about, you know, these horrible acts that could have happened to him, and it's it's repeating the cycle of he, something happened to him, and he's now yeah doing it to right. his own daughter. It's like a metaphor for that idea. It's funny, actually. I was just reading on the Douglas site right before you guys called. Um, I was on the that way. It's a Twin Peaks commentary website. Um, don't go there, Brian. Yet. Okay, I won't. <laughs> but when you're done, you'll like it. Um, but, Excellent. But it, it there was actually somebody posting about that idea of the cycle of abuse, and they were actually saying this is interesting. Studies show that it isn't as existent as people think. This idea that you abuse and then abused and you become an abuser, but it is like a dramatic trope, sort of. Hmm. And this is kind of their way of of representing that. Um, that idea that, oh, because Leland was abused as a kid, now he's going to abuse his daughter. And, and, you know, Laura is faced with the same decision, and she tells him, you know, no, you, I'm, you have to kill me. Now, the interesting thing about that, and I covered this a little in the video on The Killer's Reveal, is um, Mark Frost wrote a lot of Hill Street Blues. He was brought on as a writer in, I think, the third season, and he actually pretty much ran, I want to say, the fourth season of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of the episodes you have to pay like 150 for the box set uh, to see them. Um, so I was only able to see the first three that he wrote. Um, but it was amazing because they all had links to Twin Peaks, and two of them actually dealt directly with abuse and the cycle of abuse and the cover-up. The first one he did is about a woman who um, is gives away her baby, and the police are trying to figure out why she did it. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. I can, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So they're trying to figure out why she did it, and uh, she says, I didn't want to start hitting it like my mother hit me, because when they come to her house, her mother's like beating her, and she's, you know, mm. bruises on her and stuff. And then just off screen, the disturbing thing about it is the actress who played that part was murdered by her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend like two or three days later. Wow, after. unbelievable. That is crazy. The bruises on her face in the show were real because he had beaten her, like, the day. So it was, like, this awful thing. And the very next episode, I don't know what their cycle, their turnaround cycle was, 
Um, I would imagine it was a couple months, but Frost didn't write again for the show for a couple months. Hmm. When he came back, his very next script was about a woman whose boyfriend is, like, stalking her and, and abusing her, and she tries to go to the court, and they won't, like, they won't... Um, do anything about it, really. They won't do anything about it, and the guy ends up killing her. Wow. So I always kind of thought, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And it, and it kind of shows his take on that domestic abuse and the cycle of abuse and society looking the other way. Yeah. I think a lot of times people talk about Lynch's links to it, and he does have a lot, too, because all mm. films kind of have that family violence in them, you know, and the sexual exploitation and Blue Velvet and, and Elephant Man, even. There's suggestions of that and all of that. Um, but there's clearly, it's something that Frost had dealt with before in his work, too. And you can kind of see his view on it coming out in that a little bit in Twin Peaks, I think. So that's just, that's kind of an interesting perspective. And I, you know, I only was able to find it because uh, those three episodes were online. But it seems like, unfortunately, you know, we've talked about this before, how Frost kind of gets overlooked sometimes. True. And I feel like there's a gold mine out there if, if people you know, are willing to invest in the box set or if they finally release it on Netflix or something to watch uh, his work on Hill Street Blues because yeah. I have a feeling that that's kind of a Rosetta Stone to to reveal a lot of his, his themes and takes, even though it was somebody else's show, technically. Mm, yeah. I mean, he was still at a certain point. He was like the Harley Payton of that show at a certain <laughs> point where he was writing the majority of episodes and kind of handling it, you know, the story arcs and stuff like that. Um so I feel like that could be very revealing. But yeah, in terms of that specific episode, um, I think that tells you a lot about how he sees that um, that that issue like working itself out over time. And so I definitely think that that idea was at work there. Yeah, that's well, interesting. Yeah, supernatural cool. stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably wrap up pretty soon. But do we have anything else we want to share about the killer, about Leland? Um. I'm happy I finally know, <laughs> and I can be talk. We can talk about it, um, and but now I feel like there's more mystery in the last half of this season. So. Yeah, and I and I, I I just keep telling you it gets really. I think the the last episode is amazing, and it yeah. it, it makes it. Yeah, it's it, it really carries the show for the next twenty five years. You know, for people that you know, we still love it because of that. I think. Yeah, but uh. Well, I want to. I want to end the show. Last sh- episode. I was just gonna say the last episode is my favorite of the whole series. Yeah, the last one. It's pretty good stuff. I mean, this one was my favorite, Joel. The, oh. I I saw this one, and right now, th- this epi- episode sixteen was my favorite so far. Oh, good. Actually, I wanted to talk. About, so the one where Leland dies. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen. Really like that. Okay, that's interesting because when I first saw it. Um, I, there are things I like about it now, but I was really disappointed because I felt like Cooper solved it, like, too easily almost. It was, like, handed. Like, what was your take? I, I know you guys just covered this, so yeah. repeat anything. You just you just told your listeners. But, like, um, what was it about it that worked for you in terms of resolving the mystery? Um, the, for me, I almost felt like episode 14, 15, 16. Um, for me, I almost feel like Cooper didn't, uh, didn't get it as easily, like because it took three episodes where he just seemed he seemed confused. He seemed not Cooper like. Um, he seemed almost kind of like, uh, almost like downtrodden, like 
kind of like I don't I'm confused. Defeated and almost Defeat, like, yeah, defeated like, and basically let Truman say, Okay, you do your thing and we'll just follow you and baby Ben did kill Yeah, Laura. and, and yeah. the the giant when the giant Talk comes back game. Huh? He's off his game. Yeah. In yeah. honestly the episode when um Maddie's killed and Cooper's in the roadhouse and I almost think he thinks he's gonna figure it out at that moment. And when the waiter comes over and says, I'm sorry, it's almost like he's been defeated because the killer killed again and he was in the wrong place. And he, he's getting the signals, but he's not getting them where he should be. Like, they're there, but he just can't figure it out. So for me, from that episode on, it felt like him trying to figure it out. And usually he's so quick. He's like, yeah. hey, you have woman problems. Hey, what's why are you so depressed looking? But now all of a sudden he's just kind of like, like lost. Like right. he's not getting anything. And for me, I like these last three episodes. But this episode, I just liked it a lot. Um, it, it was filmed cool. I like the way it Tim was Hunter filmed. there, right? Tim yeah. Hunter directed uh, at sixteen. Yeah, it felt like a movie. Tim Hunter. Yeah, it felt like a movie, and it felt like um, it it felt like Twin Peaks, but at the same time, it just felt. It just felt different, you know, the way it was filmed. It's much more fast-paced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I felt like almost every scene is, like, it was in, intriguing, and it brought new details that I didn't know about that, like, yeah. you know, we learned about, oh, uh, one of our Mike was partnered with with uh, with Bob, and they had this this relationship, the Golden Circle. Yeah, and it, yeah. It was a lot of cool yeah. stuff that we got out of that episode. Yeah. You know, the other thing I thought was interesting is that, like, the, the the writers are brilliant in that they made Leland kill somebody, and so that kind of covers you up to think, oh, you know, he, he killed somebody, and then he's willing to confess, willing to basically say, uh, I can help you with the investigation. I know Bob, which makes you think, okay, he couldn't be the killer because, and we kind of already said that, but in a way, yeah. he's not the killer because he's grieving over killing somebody else, and oh, because he's actually helping. So I, I, they're good at misdirection. I would say that. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's for sure. So I think we'll wrap it up, and I, I want uh, to end the show on, Joel, on your uh, your journey through Twin Peaks. Uh, just a clip of it, which is uh, Chapter 9, Scene of the Crime, where you kind of just – and you've talked a little bit about it in this episode, but it's really briefly about the, the reveal of, uh, of the, mur yeah, the murder of, of Laura Palmer. So, uh, and, and, and I, 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 and can you share anything else? What do you, you know, I, I don't know if we did not, last time you were on, if you could share more about your website. You do even more than just Twin Peaks uh, on your website. Yeah, it's called Lost in the Movies. Um, the address is thedancingimage.blogspot.com. And uh, it's a movie blog. I've been running it for seven years now. Uh, it's got a lot of videos, a lot of visual stuff. And actually, I just started a Tumblr where I'm sharing all the images that I've built up over the years. So if you missed them the first time, you can kind of check that out. But I would encourage anybody who goes to it, um, check out the archives because I think for me, one of the big things about blogging is I always try to tell people, like, don't necessarily just, I mean, if you're into whatever's up on the top of the page, start there. But there's so much uh, history there. And you can go, I set up directories, so if you want to look for, gee, what did you think of Blue Velvet or what did you think of, you know, um, Schindler's List or, I don't know, whatever movie there is. Yeah. You know, you can kind of look it up and see. And I've got picture galleries. So I tried to make it as interactive an experience as I could for people. So it's not just like, hey, here's the latest post, but like actually something you can explore, you know? Cool. And that's cool. kind of my fun. I call it like my, my gardening. You know, some people get home from work and mm. they do like 
they have a little rake and they, they plant their flowers and do their garden. This is kind of like my online garden of movie paraphernalia. <laughs> or movie. I shouldn't say that because there's a lot of like criticism and stuff on there too and reviews and, you know, um, but, but it's, it's sort of a multimedia thing. And then, of course, um, the big thing for the listeners is uh, Journey Through Twin Peaks, the video series I did, where it's 28 chapters, uh, chronological, covering a pilot through the film, and actually looking at it as it develops both on screen and behind the scenes and kind of seeing how those two elements interact. And the funny thing is, you know, um, can you hear me okay? I can hear you, yep, we're listening. Okay, the funny thing is, right now we're at, you're at, a little past the halfway point. The actual literal halfway point of the show mm. is the reveal of the killer. Um, you know, Cooper looks up, Julie Cruz finishes singing, curtains fade in on him, bam. That's literally like ground zero of the, well, uh, for the most part. Otherwise, yeah. not so much, but episode count it is. But the funny thing is, um, when I was making the series, um, a lot, like the later parts, talking about season two and the film, are actually a lot longer than the first part. So I think when we get to Leland's um, killing Maddie, that's it's only about um, an hour into the four. It's a four-hour, you know, if you watch it all together, a four-hour series. So kind of what I'm getting at and what I wanted to sort of set up for Brian is there's some rough seas ahead. Yeah. I, I will say that the show, it could have ended with Maddie dying, even before Leland's captured. I think that's almost like... And a whole other thing, but it could have ended with Cooper realizing he didn't catch Kellen. It would be this powerful, tight, dramatic little mini series. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the stuff that keeps Twin Peaks alive and growing, and that makes it possible for it to come back, is in the back half of the show. Hmm. It's not always handled great. It's not always and Lynch, you know, himself. It's unfortunately gone most of the time. Yeah. But all of these seeds are planted, which blossom in the final episode and in the film, and make it possible for Twin Peaks to be not just this tight little murder investigation, quirky soap opera, but this sort of sprawling mythology with all these um, tangents, and, and but that all relate back to the center, central core of, like, Laura Palmer and her life and, um, you know, her her trauma and the, the sort of the spiritual stakes behind that. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, you cool. Know, it's, I think it'll be interesting to hear how you react to this stuff, but keep in mind, even when, you know... Uh, sometimes things get dire, and I'll just say two words, Evelyn March. But, <laughs> you know, even when yep. things get, get sort of dire, there is a bigger picture at play, and it'll eventually, I think, uh, sort of come clear. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited for the second half. <laughs> yeah, it's something else. Yeah. So, so Joel, uh, am I right that you, you still have some plans for your blog with related to Twin Peaks as we get closer to maybe the new season coming out? Yeah, once a month I put something up. Uh, Twin Peaks related, at least once a month, sometimes more. And I've got a couple things upcoming. I think, well, this interview for one, obviously, but also um, supposedly uh, Welcome to Twin Peaks is going to, I'm going to have a guest post. Um, I submitted it to him, so he'll put it up at some point. Not sure when, but they got a lot of news coming now from North Bend and Snoqualmie, so it might, it might be a little while, but um, which is exciting as hell, by the way. I don't know if you guys are looking yes. at pictures or keeping yourself free from oh, that. But. I saw pictures. Yeah, so we're seeing pictures. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Like I'm tempted to like like could I afford could I just go to like Seattle for a few days? And, like, oh, I know. It's so cool, you know. Like 
it just seems like a, such a cool place to be right now, and they're sharing the news and stuff. So it's an exciting time to be a Twin Peaks fan. Yeah, totally. As far yeah. as my stuff goes, yeah, once a month. And then when the show comes is about to come back, I'll do a full-on episode guide where um, I'm just both offering new insights and collecting all of my previous work on that particular episode. So, like, pulling out chunks of um, videos or previous posts where I talk about it and, like, making almost like a ma – like, I did a little episode guide in the past where I just wrote a review, and this will be like an episode guide on steroids. It'll be like, you know – appearances of cherry pie in the episode <laughs> and like <laughs> does this tie in and it'll be totally spoiler free too i'll probably do a separate post that has spoilers but cool well, i don't know why anyone listening to this podcast you know <laughs> would need a spoiler free uh episode guide but if they have friends who are going to start it you know they can direct them there that's sure. true awesome i can't wait to check it out so i and i hope we will definitely have to have you on again yes. soon I, I keep thinking it. I don't know if we want to do it like every seven or so, roughly, because it seems like well, well, at least oh, when the episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm really gratified that you know you want to have me on, and it's great talking about it with you. So whatever works for you guys, I'm game for. Yeah, cool. I mean, you bring cool. a lot of insight and, yeah. and knowledge, and I, I love your your video essays on on Journey Through Twin Peaks. They're amazing. You guys should check it out. We have the link in uh, in the, the show notes, show notes and yep. stuff. So uh, so yeah, we should wrap this up. We should, should give our. Uh, do you have anything else to say, Joel, before we wrap this up? I think you gave, I think you gave your spiel. And... No, no, no. I've, I've said plenty. <laughs> oh, you have said plenty. And, I, and we really, really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you thank for being you. on the show. And, uh, yeah, so when when we end this, we'll end it with a, a little piece of Chapter 9 scene of the crime, uh, Joel's journey through Twin Peaks. But why don't we say how can people r reach us? TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. Please email comments, questions, or uh, anything and you can follow us on Twitter Twin Peaks Unwrapped and like us on Facebook Twin Peaks Unwrapped and subscribe to us on iTunes it's free rate us and give us a nice review and uh, that's it cool I think we're out of here we're out of here thank you Joel thank you Joel thank you few viewers are truly surprised when Leland Palmer is revealed as Bob's host and implicitly the killer of his own daughter and yet few viewers would predict this turn of events ahead of time. It's a truth that is generally suspected, but suppressed. This revelation feels like a shock for several reasons. First, Leland is one of the show's most enjoyable characters. Especially since his white-haired, singing and dancing turn in the season two premiere, he's been one of the highlights of recent episodes. Ray Wise's verve is contagious. If Leland is the killer, it most likely means he will depart the cast, and we'll miss him. More fundamentally, we like Leland, and we want to keep liking him. Watching our friend turn into a maniacal serial killer before our eyes is a punch in the gut. Second, although the show has already confirmed the existence of the supernatural, this shot mixes the earthly and unearthly realms in disorienting fashion. Are we looking at the repressed side of Leland's personality, or a true demonic spirit? Lynch will provide no answers, but his imagery carries its own suggestive charge. We can't help but feel that Leland and Bob are intertwined, even if we wish to clearly separate the two. Third, and perhaps most importantly, we recognize something profoundly uncomfortable. If Leland sees Bob in the mirror, it follows that he was the third man in the woods, that he was solely responsible for the assault on Laura and Renette, and that he is the mysterious figure mentioned in Laura's diary. He was a threatening presence in her life from early adolescence. There are 
intimations of abuse and molestation on a regular basis. Whether or not he is possessed by Bob, whether or not he controls his own body, this ugly fact remains. Laura Palmer's dark secret, the hidden center of Twin Peaks, is, and always was, incest. <laughs>